I'm Sandy Swallow. I'm Okalala Lakota and Northern Cheyenne. I've been an artist for over 30 years and through my artwork have portrayed my heritage. Now I'm starting a brand new venture called Lakota Link and I'm here to share with you and I hope you enjoy it. Lakota Link. Greetings from the home of the Seven Council Fires land of the 1868 Fort Laramie treaties, bringing stories old and new of Lakota values, courage, respect, wisdom, to name a few. Hi, I'd like to introduce you to Jim Thompson, Jim has been on radio for many years, and he's even become known as the Voice of the West. He was a professional rodeo announcer and still is, and he's a businessman and has his own business called Creative Broadcast Services. I've known Jim for a long time. He's been a a friend and a neighbor, actually, and Wayne and I have gotten acquainted with him and his lovely wife, Sherry, and now is retired, semi-retired, I would say. Um, Before I start, I kind of wanted to ask your permission if if I could tell that story about your housewarming. And remember, I, I, we brought you a plant and you read, thank you, um, oh, oh! You mean at our house, at my house? Yeah, oh. yeah. Is that okay? What What did I? Of course, I can't remember what <laughs> oh, I read. Oh, okay. Um, you on the card you read "Welcome to the Neighborhood," and I told you, Jim, look at that again. And I had wrote, "There goes the neighborhood." Oh, <laughs> is is that okay if I tell of that? Of course, okay. of course. <laughs> All right. All right. Well. Hi, Jim. It's so nice that you've taken time out of your busy life and be on on this Lakota link. How have you and Sherry been doing? Very well, Sandy. And uh, your friendship over so many years with you and Wayne makes it easy for me to take time for you. Thank you for asking. Yes. And, you know, one question I kind of am interested in with people is, how they've been dealing with this quarantine uh, with the COVID virus and uh-huh. and how it's affected your life and what you, you know, what you think. Well, since I'm retired from live radio and have only uh, announced a few single steer ropings among rodeos, it hasn't affected us as badly as others. I have lost business with the recorded programs that I do because there are some events that have been canceled, so they're not advertising. Um, I've only had one rodeo so far that I have been scheduled to do, and it was the National Circuit Final Steer Roping in Torrington, Wyoming, and it was postponed. We still have not received a date for when that will be rescheduled. And then a lot of the steer ropings that I announce will come later in the summer at Deadwood, and Belfouche, and Baker, Montana, and Bighorn, Wyoming, 
places like that. So it's been uh, really unaffected for Sherry and me. We've had a chance as you, for, like, to be at you and Wayne's house, and we've gone to see other friends, uh, social distancing and trying to be safe. But, uh, yeah, we've, we have uh, probably been less affected by the quarantine than a lot of other people who are still working and younger. Yes, and and that's become a quite a hardship on them. I I know, you know. There's something that I've kind of been curious about, and and you're the person to answer this question. You have gotten um, labeled, so to speak, as Voice of the West, and can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, uh, when I left my last radio management job. It was in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, and I had managed a radio station, an AM/FM, for a station out of Link, out of uh, Lexington, Nebraska. I'd been visiting with Baxter Black, who's a noted cowboy poet, and I told him my dream of being a full-time rodeo announcer and just making a living with my voice. And he said, the famous line, "Just do it." So I did. I left the radio and uh, I headed out. But one of the goals I had when I set a note, I wrote on my note notepad for my refrigerator, I wanted to become considered the voice of rodeo. And so I uh, put that up as a thought, just one of the things I would be as a goal. And I actually, I forgot about that, Sandy, for a while until one day when I, several years later, maybe 20, I got a call from the South Dakota Hall of Fame in Chamberlain. And they wanted to put in someone from the world of rodeo. And the man who called me was a longtime newspaper friend. And he said, Jim, you're the voice of rodeo. Who would you suggest belongs in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> and uh, I, I told him Paul Tierney at that time, world champion and uh, cowboy and uh, certainly a worthy of it. And Paul was, in fact, inducted. But what, really, what I really noted was I had forgotten my goal but when they called me to say, you are the voice of rodeo, it was a declarative statement. And so I felt like maybe I had accomplished that. You expanded that a bit to say the voice of the West. I, I would not push myself too far in that. But I know that because I've been on the radio for so many years and on the microphone across this upper Midwest for, a, for rodeo for 50 years, there's no question that I'm sure people have heard my voice and don't even know who I am, but they would recognize my voice. Yes, and you know, that's kind of, I have a, a little story to tell you. I was, I'm an artist, and, and I was at Northern Plains Tribal Arts years ago, and there was uh, this man that came to my booth, and he had a hat on, it was cleared down, and sunglasses, and I jumped up and announced my name to him and shook his hand. And I says, I'm Sandy Swallow. And he says, I'm Tom Brokaw. And I knew that from his voice, you know, it was, and, you know, you don't think about that real often. But yeah, you know, your your voice is very well known. It's on commercials and so many things. And I'm so glad that, that you're continuing to fulfill your vision so to speak thank you tom brokaw is a part of my past as well sandy uh, he was a partner in a radio station in rapid city with a dear friend of mine tom kearns 
they owned a radio station in Rapid City, and they uh, had me do a lot of commercials, and I got a chance to be with Tom on several occasions. I was the president of the South Dakota Broadcasters at that time, and so Tom uh, would come to speak, and uh, that was nice. And then just last year, I received the Tom Brokaw Lifetime Achievement Award from the South Dakota Broadcasters Association, which was a, a very high honor for me, something that I had uh, wasn't expecting, and it was a, what a wonderful thing to receive. Wow. I live in my own little world, and it, it deals with uh, Native American issues so, so much, and and so I'm very impressed. I didn't know that, Jim. I'm glad you're sharing that. And, you know, this Lakota link actually is my vision. I do want to listeners to know one reason besides the fact that we're good friends that I chose you to interview with and that's your heartfelt for the Native American people and thank you and I I just kind of would like to have you explain to our listeners I, I think Sandy the very the first people that I would have spent any time with where it became where I became interested uh, and having a heart more for people that lived on the reservations in our area was when I started announcing rodeos and people like Jim Jacobs and Tim Jacobs and Merle Fair, Merlin Fairbanks and Howard Hunter and Boy Clifford, so many others uh, that were Lakota. And that's when I first remember they would rather have been called Lakota than Sue. And so that created a interest in me. So I went to see why. And I and then I would talk to them every time. And I did rodeos with Harlan Gunville, who was a Lakota stock contractor. And he had a great deal of pride in his people and desire to help. And as a result of being with Harlan and his wife, Georgie, week after week after week, the first few years that I announced rodeos, I developed uh, more than an interest, but also an understanding and a desire to be correct when I'm around uh, people that lived on the reservation. And then later, uh, Philip Whiteman Jr. from Lame Deer, Montana, uh, I began to announce in Montana quite a bit. And I met Philip and found out that he was a world champion grass dancer. And he also won the saddle bronc riding uh, when I announced the Indian National Finals in Albuquerque one year, Philip was the world champion and I was able to be there to help him accept that award so there's been a and again living in South Dakota you have to really either ignore or get involved and I felt like being involved was important and then when I started my I had a radio program that was on all across the state and I went to um, the station in on the reservation in by mission and they started carrying my program and in in fact uh, probably one of my disappointments was when the station dropped my program because they wanted to have it be more native and they didn't think that i was obviously i wasn't a norwegian rodeo announcer doesn't necessarily <laughs> fit that and i i wasn't angry with the decision makers but i was disappointed and but what happened was, although I never did get back on the station, the local newspaper, the Mission paper, received lots of mail uh, 
asking where my show was and they they felt that was a voice for people and which was my intention to have the people from the reservation have an opportunity also to be part of a South Dakota radio dialogue every day. And so I was disappointed that we didn't get to continue that, but I, I felt it. And uh, on another occasion, I approached when Senator Tom Daschle was still in office, I approached him about uh, doing a grant for me so I could expend maybe one third of my time going onto the reservation to the radio stations uh, in down in the south central part of South Dakota and uh, teaching announcers. And my goal was, as I was driving across the state so often, I felt that uh, the radio station on the reservation was being conducted almost as if it was closed circuit for the res instead of being heard all across the state, as it can be in many cases. And I felt like if there was a more professional approach to that, rather than just be a local Indian radio station, which is how they saw themselves at that point by their very introduction. And so I was able to get that put together with Senator Daschle, and he made sure that I could have matching funds. And then I went to the reservation radio stations and said, my goal would be to uh, teach young uh, men and women of, of Lakota, not, not just Lakota, but the native kids who wanted to be professional announcers to teach them. But that was disapproved, really, because there was a threat, I guess, uh, from people who felt that maybe I, I was encouraging them to leave the reservation. So it's that all. became... A, that became an issue that I so I didn't. It, I never was able to get that going. Well, maybe you didn't get that going, but I do know one real positive thing that you did get going, and that had to do with Philip Little Whiteman and Lynette Tubolds. Oh yes. Can you expound a little bit on how you helped things happen in Belfouche? Yeah, expound on the run if you if you want to. Well, when I when I met Philip and Lynette, he was, of course, as I said, a saddle bronc rider in the Northern Rodeo Association and in the Professional Rodeo Cowboys. And so I got to know Philip, and he was, though seemingly shy, he was not opposed to visiting with me and shared a lot of information with me, which I always appreciated. And so Philip came to me, probably the first time I worked, worked with him was when he came to me about... Uh, doing a rodeo school with him when he was teaching saddle bronc riding and Hawkeye Henson was there also in the bronc riding and Gary LeFew, another world champion cowboy uh, bull rider was there and I got the opportunity to teach rodeo announcing and in fact Baxter Black uh, was one of my sponsors for that to help pay the tuition for any young uh, native boy or girl who wanted to come man or woman and it was quite successful. It was held over by Billings, Montana. And I did that for a couple of years or three with Philip and those those guys, Monty and Gary. And then later, uh, Philip was telling me about his run. And, of course, it commemorates the breakout from Fort Robinson down in Nebraska and the run back up onto the reservation area in Montana. And Philip would, when he first started, would take young young uh, crow and cheyenne kids and allow them to to uh, not allow them to he it was he was he chose them and they had to have a lifestyle and a and schooled attendance and attention to schools that that 
made sure that they were qualified to represent their tribe. And then they would run in shifts from Fort Robinson in late December up to near Lame Deer, Montana. And I was on the radio every day in, in those days. And so uh, I would uh, make sure that Philip was promoted and that we had an opportunity to talk to him and to other people involved and promote the run. And then uh, when they'd stop in Belfouche, Philip would ask me to be there and I would kind of MC for them. And I prayed one year. They asked, there was whoever was supposed to be there to pray didn't pray. This is an interesting story, Sandy, if you have time. Sure. Um, I was standing with Philip and Lynette, and there were probably 200 young people crowded into the lobby at the American in Belfouche. Stacy Raisin and her husband had uh, hosted those kids, and it was great. But Philip said, turned to Lynette and said, there's nobody to pray for our meal. And I said, being a good Norwegian Christian boy, I'll pray. <laughs> Philip said, okay. Now, the, what they would have prayed would have been certainly to the same God, but to a different, a different prayer. And they, they were, he kind of gave me the making sure that the elders and the women would have, would be first and uh, the children would be first. And uh, so I was, I prayed, I did the, in effect, I said, grace in as, in as proper a way as I could with Philip's instructions. And when I got done, Every one of those 200 kids, there may be 180 or 250, I don't know, but they were walked by me and said, thank you, shook my hand and thanked me. <laughs> and I'll tell you, for an adult to have young people very courteously extend their thanks was amazing to me. I understood that Philip had worked with these young people and made sure that they were courteous and they weren't cowed. They weren't being pushed uh, he taught them that. And when he stood or when any other adult stood, that noisy uh, lobby there at the American in Belfouche quieted reverently and, and courteously to listen to who was speaking. And I was so impressed that that would not happen. I, I wouldn't see in just about any other setting like that in school or church among young people. So I was very impressed. And have been. That's why I'm there every year when possible to be with Philip and Lynette when they do that. And I'm very honored. Yes. You know, I I was a Wayne and I was able to attend that this last January. And, you know, the little background is my my grandmother was Northern Cheyenne and I didn't know her. My grandmother was Betty Gillespie and her dad was Irish and her mother was Northern Cheyenne and her mother's name was Sarah Longchin and we have records that she was actually in the group that came with Crazy Horse when he went to Fort Robinson because uh, she her name is on the ledger. So I had that connection and and that was Actually, the ledger was written in 1876. Now, the Cheyenne people, Northern Cheyenne people, were were held captive in 1879. So I'm not sure if she was involved with that or not. It was a sad story about how they were held captive and they wanted to get back to their homelands, were hunted down, a lot of them, and very few 
made it back, but they did make it back. And these young people, that's a long ways. It's over 400 miles. They start out and they do what their ancestors did. And, you know, I have to be very thankful to Philip Little Whiteman and to Lynette Tubolds for having started that because it's always good to understand our history and to look back on it. And, you know, I'm so appreciative that that you acknowledge that and have respect for it. In fact, you know, I'm tying in all these talks with Lakota Link to to values to the Lakota values and Correct. and I would say for from my perspective the value I give you is respect and that it's a respect of both ways you re, you have respect the native people and they respect you obviously because as you know they uh don't just trust anyone I I, I absolutely do not take that for granted. That's something that I, uh, it makes my heart smile when I think of that because I feel blessed. Uh, One other thing that relates to Philip and Lynette, one year, Philip talking to me, he didn't call me for a solution. He just called to talk. And we were visiting about one of the problems that the runners would have, and that is they would run on some of the state highways in South Dakota that was a good spot because it kind of kept them away from the main traffic. But what it did was put them in to where the truck drivers would drive. Oftentimes they would be where the truck drivers were taking those state off the road, so to speak. And kids were running at night and feeling perhaps a little less than safe. So I contacted first the highway patrol and requested that the, in South Dakota requested that they honor these young people and their driving and and have some or their run rather and then have someone be able to come and uh, escort them either either the highway patrol or a or a sheriff or city policeman something of that nature when they would cross over by Wounded Knee and come up through the South Dakota uh, through the reservation there in South Dakota and then eventually up toward the Black Hills. And then I approached uh, Senator Heinert uh, from Mission, South Dakota, Troy Heinert, who is the son of a very dear friend of mine, Harold Heinert, who is Lakota. Harold was a bareback rider, one of my idols when I first started announcing, and Harold uh, from Mission, and he died of cancer at a very early age. And I was asked to do a one of the... Uh, eulogies at his funeral, which today I understand how significant that was. At the time, I certainly accepted it, but I didn't understand the significance of me being there at his funeral and being able to give the uh, one of the eulogies from a cowboy perspective. And so his son, in growing up, traveled. Then when I was doing rodeos for the Gunvilles, he was uh, at those rodeos, and he would play with my son kyle they were the same age and they would play together as little boys and now he's in the state senate and so i approached troy heinert senator heinert and asked him if he could have some kind of a declaration from the state of south dakota acknowledging philip and lynette and what they were doing 
in uh, working in this this uh, the run that they held every December. And so he did that and was able to get a declaration from the state of South Dakota. And uh, it's always a, a Lynette and and uh, Philip may not have known how to do that. They're certainly aware. They're certainly uh, worthy, but they may not understand the route. And because I did, I was I felt great to be able to help with that. And and Senator Heinert, uh, though he's Lakota, he had no no problem whatsoever. He said, "Of course I'll do. What can we What can we do?" And he did that. And uh, so that is a, from the state of South Dakota acknowledging that these young people are running, and then from the Highway Patrol saying, "Yes, of course we'll be part of the solution and helping them be safe while they're on the road." Well, that that was great, and you know, as you say. A lot of people might have wanted to do that, but they didn't have the knowledge or the education on how how to do it. And so I'm so glad you did. And well, I, you know what I think really truly with that, Sandy, it's it's uh, networking, just like you and I have learned. Uh, I go onto the reservation. I don't know uh, all the ways. I don't know all the people, but I, I if I find the right friends and get the right contacts, you've done that as well. Uh, through your art that's allowed you to cross the line into a white world and take native thoughts and, and ideas and values and share them. And I think that's the reason. There's no coincidences. God comes in and puts pe- things in people's heart and allows us to be a part of someone else's life. And all of that is a positive thing that plays a plays a part in the world. And that's, I think, we need to be alert to that always as to what those opportunities are so that we can truly be a part of someone's life in such a positive way. Well, yes. And, and you know, I guess I can say you're an elder <laughs> because, you know, myself, I, I've been in denial for so many years that I was a Lakota elder, but I have to admit I am. <laughs> and, yes, you certainly are. Not, by, not because of your age, because of your wisdom and, and dedication. Thank you. Well, thank you. And, and you know, when, when we think about our lives and our journeys, and, and I had had the opportunity to visit with my cousin Billy Mills, and he he's a very he's very much of a Lakota philosopher, and so our visit was very deep and stuff. But what it does is make you realize you we really do not know our time. You know, only God knows that our time on mm-hmm. Earth. So I say, you know, let's do what we really want to do and what we really think is important. And actually, that's why we're trying this new venture with Lakota Link, because there's so many stories out there that I just said, you know, people won't know. They, mm-hmm. that's they, right. they don't know. And I'm sure you're doing a lot of things that you like to do, huh? I am, yes. Uh, one of my goals when I retired was to be able to travel, to visit friends, to see parts of the world that I didn't. Because though I traveled many, many miles as a rodeo announcer and in radio, the fact was I was a, <laughs> I was a point A to point B person. If, if I knew I had a thousand miles to drive, for example, I would drive from Sturgis to Moses Lake, Washington to announce the rodeo. 
that was a thousand miles. Well, if I drove 70 miles an hour, that was 14 hours and some, and I could stop for gas and to use the restroom and maybe get a bite to eat. But I, I didn't think to stop along the way to visit friends who lived in other parts of the country. It never occurred to me. I was on the road and I, that's how I lived. And I, it wasn't until I got older that I realized how many things I had missed as a result of driving through some towns without stopping. As a result of that, I now want to go back to those places and do it with, with some time to spare so I can visit friends. Can, can you give me a little idea of how far reaching, you know, you're, when, you, when you were broadcasting, how far reaching that was? Well, my rodeo literally was coast to coast and border to border. I was in North and South Carolina. I was in Texas and Washington and California and on the Canadian border and uh, all the way over into Indiana. And, uh, so rodeo really took me out there a long ways. In radio, as a result of being live, uh, I was on some pretty big stations, but you know, you'd, I, I could reach maybe like with my when I would do my daily talk show, we felt that six states that I reached every day, there was about 500,000 people every day that could tune in if they wished, talking about households. And that's a pretty good spread, typically. Uh, not everybody had, in fact, I, I don't know how many other regional radio networks there were like mine. And what I do now uh, with the well, program called The Good Stuff is on over six states, and that uh, has replaced when Paul Harvey died. It uh, replaced Paul Harvey in that five-minute time slot on a lot of radio stations. So I don't minimize how many people that I can reach, and I'm aware of that. I'm aware then of my language, and I'm aware of uh, the kinds of opinions that I hold, what that might do and who's listening. And it isn't that I've done it all perfectly all along, but I've tried to learn each time and I feel like that's important, that uh, if God resides inside of me, the way that he comes out to other people is through who they see in me. And so I accept that responsibility, and you hope to be able to do it in a positive way. Well, you certainly have. And and for my listeners, I'd like to say that Jim encouraged me for this Lakota link. and, And without his encouragement, well... Honestly, I don't know what I'm doing, but but he just the fact that Jim would encourage me helped me step forward, and I just uh, value him and Sherry as our friends, and and I thank you so much, Jim, that you have taken the time to visit with us, and and once again I say, you know, your Lakota value is respect and and we certainly have respect for you thank you so much i'm honored as always just to be part of any life that you're part of and thank you very much to you and wayne for your friendship okay bye well i hope you enjoyed our segment you know i i enjoy visiting with the people and if you did go to sandyswallowgallery.com where you can find my artwork and find some history and some background. Please subscribe to it or if you have some comments, we would love to hear your opinion. This is a new adventure for us and I value your opinion. This song 
is written and sung by my good friend Quincy Goodstar. Lakota Link is here to share Lakota values. God bless you on your journey. Wopila, thank you for joining us. Take